listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Well, good morning, church. Man, it is good to see you guys. Um, If today is your first Sunday, my name is Matt. I get to be one of the pastors here, and I'm excited to stand before you today. Um, Hey, over the next couple weeks, let me just tell you where we're going. Uh, Next Sunday, if you miss worshiping here, you'll regret it until the day you die. (laughs) Um, Seriously, next Sunday, um, uh, you're going to hear a testimony that if you don't shed a tear, I question your soul. Seriously. It is going to be powerful. Um, let me just say this. If you're here today and you're in a position in your life where it feels so bad that it can never be good, come here next Sunday. Because you're going to hear a story that is a reminder that God brings beauty from ashes. It is going to be awesome. It is going to be powerful. One of the most powerful moving testimonies you're ever going to hear. So make sure you'll be here for that. And then next week, uh, we're, we're going to finish the series today and start a new one in a couple weeks. Then the Sunday after that, um, we're going to have a very special Sunday where we talk to you about some cool things that we have going on and kind of the global missions effort of our church. And maybe you didn't even know we focused on some of that, but we do. Um, we are about to begin an awesome partnership with a village in Haiti, and it's going to be awesome. Uh, we're, and we're actually going to have one of the Haitians from the village that we're adopting here on site, hanging out with me on the platform for a little bit. Um, We're going to give you the chance to actually adopt children from the village that we're going to be connecting with, which means you could adopt a child and someday go on a trip with us and meet that child. It's pretty cool. Amen. Come on. Uh, So make sure that you're here for the next couple Sundays because it's going to be really special. But today, we're wrapping up a series that we call The Prophet, and it has been such a fun series to, to teach. And actually, last Sunday, how about, I know Casey Harris brought an amazing word last Sunday, man. Wow, so good. It moved me, man. It was so, so good. I mean, he just brought such a powerful word. Uh, but today, we're finishing up. And, and if you haven't been here, we've been looking at a guy in the Bible, in First Kings, by the name of Elijah. And he is what is known as a prophet. And if you don't know what a prophet is, in the Old Testament especially, these were men and women who were raised up as mouthpieces for God. They were people that God would move on to kind of bring people back when they would start to drift from what God desired for their lives. That God would raise these people up to be his mouthpiece and to speak truth into people's lives, to bring them back to what he desired most for them. But As I've taught this series, I've had people say to me, and even heard preachers kind of preach this concept, about be careful when you preach about characters in Scripture. That you're you're not those people. That you have to be really wary when you start talking about Elijah or David or Moses or all these people, because you're going to get people thinking that that what, what they experience, they can experience. And I said, I hope so. Almost like, be careful because, like, that's not their story. That you and I are never going to be Elijah or David or, or, or all these superheroes that we see in Scripture. And I get kind of why they say that. But this is what I'm reminded. No, I'm not David. I'm not Elijah. I'm not Moses. But I serve the same God they did. I serve the same God they did. Like God has not changed. God is just as powerful and able and capable to work in my life as significantly as he did in theirs. 
Come on. Like, no, we're not David. We're not Elijah. But it's almost like, um, like, like you, we need to lower our expectations from Scripture. And I thought, what a cruel thing that would be from God to give us this powerful word and say, look at it, but y- you can never have it. That's not my God. Come on, somebody testify. Like, I firmly, you know what? I don't think we can see what they saw. I think we can see more. I just believe that we can. And, and let me, today I'm going to show, I'm, we're going to step into the life of another prophet that to me is perfect proof that we can see God work greater in our lives than he did in theirs. And his name is Elisha. I didn't just sneeze while trying to say Elijah. This is a whole different dude. See, Elisha is the prophet that would follow Elijah. And Elisha is living proof that God can do more. Because God did more in the life of Elisha than he did Elijah. If, like, Scripture is proven my point. That we can expect more, that God can and will do more in our lives, that he can unleash more in us and around us and through us and for us than even than we saw in the Bible. Because I think there were probably people in Elijah's day, we've talked about Elijah, man. He has an amazing story of all this crazy stuff that he did from, from calling the king of Israel, Ahab, and his crazy wife, Jezebel, who were doing all these evil things. And Elijah says, it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain because you've got to come back to God. And this showdown on Mount Carmel, we talked about all these things. But you know what? I bet there were people in Elijah's day thinking, dude, we ain't never going to see anybody like Elijah. Like, man, Elijah, Mount Carmel? Or Caramel, if you're from North Carolina? <laughs> like, you're never gonna, we're never gonna, I, I bet there were contemporaries of Elijah that thought we will never see anybody work through anybody the way that we saw God work through Elijah. And then Elisha steps on the scene. Almost like immediately reminding us that God always can and wants to do more in the life of his people. God can do more. And Elisha is a good example of that. And what I want to do is just show that to you. So when we left off with Elijah, he was still, he was just coming out of the cave. Remember, after the Mount Carmel experience, Jezebel basically said, I'm going to kill you. So he flees and he runs away and he tries to kind of just hide. And God finds him in the cave and basically says, you know, like, Elijah, Elijah, what, what are you doing here? What are, what are you doing here, Elijah? And there's this big earthquake and then there's fire and there's all these things, but God is not in any of those things and God's in the whisper. I love how Casey put that out. Like, what I took away from, if y'all weren't here last Sunday, I'm going to give you a quick part of the message. Okay, 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 okay. I got to calm down. God spoke to Elijah, not in these grand, loud gestures, but with a whisper. You know why? Because when God is close, he don't have to shout. Somebody wanted to clap, and you didn't. Go ahead. Like when you're in an intimate, close relationship with God, he don't have to yell. He's close enough to just whisper, I want that kind of relationship with with God where he ain't got to yell at me because I've been yelled at enough in my life. Just a whisper. And so that's that's where we find him. Look at 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 15. Start with verse 15. It says, The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. 
also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat. Imagine being Shaphat's son. That ain't a good thing. From Abel to Meloah to succeed you as prophet. So Elijah, I think, let me tell you why I think Elijah came out of the cave. It wasn't just so much because Elijah, because God whispered to him. Look at what he just whispered. He says, hey, go anoint Elisha. In other words, Elijah, it's time for you to pass the baton to another. Like it's time for you to prepare somebody else to also be a prophet. And, you know, I think Elijah came out, it's like, my time's up. I'm coming out because I'm done. Like, like I think you know anything, I think you know anything saying? He can have it. Like, I'm coming out because he can have it. Like, you ever been like, I'm tired of doing this job. Like, somebody else can take this job. Tag, you're it. And if you've never done ministry, you have no what I'm talking about. There's a time when you're ministering to people, when you're just spent, and if somebody else can come along and you do it, like, all yours, bro. It's time for Elijah to pass the baton of prophet to Elisha. Look at verse 19. So Elijah went from there, found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 ox of yoke yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. And in that moment, he's passing that baton of prophet. But what you're going to see is Elijah's time wasn't completely over. His role was just about to significantly change. Because the reality is, if you're not dead, God is not done. Like Elijah needed to know that. Yeah, go ahead. You can clap, clap all the way. Elijah needed to know that. Elijah's role was about to significantly change. For the long time, like Elijah was this lone wolf. He was solo doing all this stuff without any help and without any friendship and without any encouragement, without any people. And Elijah's coming to toss the cloak. And maybe it would be easy for Elijah to think somehow now he was not useful because he's not going to be doing what he once did. Just because you're not doing what you once did does not mean God is done with you in your life. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. Like, like you need to know just because your role doesn't look like it used to, just because you're not maybe even able to do what you used to do doesn't mean that God doesn't still have significant years ahead of you for his good and glory. It's true. And we have a hard time with that. Some of us think that, oh, because we can't do what we once did, that somehow it's less significant. If you're not dead, God's not done. God's still going to use you. If you've got breath in your lungs, if you're here, here today, if, you're, if you are still alive, God still wants to do something with you. So don't give up on yourself because God has not given up on you. If you're not dead, God is not done. Elijah's role was about to significantly look different, but God still wanted to use Elijah in a significant way. Just because it's different doesn't mean it's not significant. Just because it's different does not mean it's not significant. Fast forward. Go to 2 Kings chapter 9. Now we're coming to the point where Elijah is, is about to be done. He's about to be taken from this planet. 
in a whirlwind. He's going to be one of just a couple people that leave this earth without tasting physical death. But just before Elijah leaves this planet, I want you to look at the conversation he has with Elisha. 2 Kings chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 9. It says, when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I am taken from you. Look at the latter part of verse 9. Let me inherit a double portion of your gift. So Elijah knows that his time is coming to a close, that he's about to be done. And he looks at Elisha, and he says, Elisha, before I go, tell me what can I do for you? What can I pray for you? What, what can I do for you? And Elisha looks at Elijah and says, make it a double. Now, some of y'all have uttered that in a different context. <laughs> but Elijah was saying, Elijah, what I want for myself is a double portion of what you've had. Your life has been so powerful and so extraordinary. Give me a double portion of your commitment. Give me a double portion of your faith. Give me a double portion of your impact. Give me a, like, may my life be doubly as impactful as yours. Like, I've seen all the amazing, powerful things that you've done, and I want to do more. You've done so much for God's glory, and I think you have, he has inspired Elisha so much that what he longs for more than anything is to have an even greater impact for God's glory. Oh, man, what if we had that kind of desire? He says, give me a double portion of your spirit. Look at verse 10, 2 Kings 2, 10. It says, you have asked a difficult thing, Elijah, yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. See, Elisha has asked Elijah something that Elijah can't give Elisha. It's some, you follow that? I'm not sure I did, but we're going to keep going. He, sa he says, that's a difficult thing. He says, but if God allows you to witness my home going, if he allows you to see me taken from this planet, then God has granted what you're asking for. He'll give you the double that you want. Let's keep reading. Go to verse 11. It says, as they were walking along, talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, Father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel, and Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. So you know what this means? Elisha, I think, I think the reality of what just happened is washing over Elisha. That request that he had, that double portion that he desired, he saw Elijah taken from heaven, and Elisha knows, I got it. Like, I'm about to step into more. I'm about to experience even more than Elijah has experienced. And you know what? I want what Elijah asked for. I want more. I want more of God. Because you know what? I don't think I've, but I've just begun to taste who he is. 
Like, I don't think I've even begun to understand the breadth and depth of his love for me. Like, I want more of God. I want to see him work more and more in me, in my kids, in my wife, in my friends, in my family, in my community, in my church. Like, I think we've just only to get, we just tipped our toe in the never-ending depths of the water that is who God is. And I want to go deeper. I want more. Anybody else want more? The reason why is because I know that there is more. I know there is immeasurably more than I can ask or imagine. Like there's so much more to God. I believe, maybe I'm crazy, but I think we can see God work more in this church and in this community, in the lives that we, I'm talking about more. I mean, more people that have been written off come into faith. More people that have been caught up in things that they thought, everybody else thought would eventually kill them, set free. More people whose marriages are struggling, actually, and people have said, you're never going to make it, not only survive, but thrive. More people doing and operating inside of the will of God in such a way that people look at them and they can say, only God. Like, I want to see more. So it begs the question, why did God allow Elisha to have more? Why? Why did, why, did, why did God grant that request? Some might say, well, because he asked for it. But let me tell you something. This is what God has taught me. God doesn't give more to those who ask. He gives more to those he trusts. God doesn't give more to those who simply ask. He gives more to those he trusts. See, I think God is sitting up there waiting to unleash more on us, but he knows we're not ready for it. I think there is more that God wants to unleash in my life, but he knows I'm not ready, I'm not mature enough, I'm not selfless enough, I'm not surrendered enough. Like, like he's saying, I'm like, God, what are you waiting on? And he's like, you. I'm like, God, I'm waiting. He's like, so am I. I'm waiting you to give it up. I'm waiting for you to grow up. Like, I think that there are things that God wants me to have that I don't yet have because he knows I'm not yet ready to have it. Because if I had it now, I wouldn't understand it, I wouldn't see it, I would waste it, I wouldn't steward it well. Am I making sense? That it wasn't just because Elisha asked. I think Elisha had demonstrated he was trustworthy. And I believe that for every one of us, that your heavenly father has more for you. And he's just, and I don't do like Christmas very well with my kids because the moment I buy the presents, I want to give it to them. Like, if we, if we go shopping, like, two months before Christmas, my kids have all their presents for Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> I'm not good at, with, you know, withholding. And I think God is like, God is our Father, and he's, he's ready to give it to us. But, you know, I mean, there's some things I ain't giving a shotgun to a two-year-old. I mean, it just ain't happening. And I think there's God's just saying, like, son, like, I want you to have this too. But I can't give it to you until you're ready to handle it. I can't give it to you until you, you've demonstrated 
that you will steward it well. I so desperately want you to have more. I want you to have more, more than you want to have more. But there's some things that you got to do to grow up. And I think I see some things in the life of Elijah from the very moment that Elijah threw his cloak on him that showed Elijah was grown up in ways that many of us are not. Go back to that moment. Go back into 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19. Again, it says, So Elisha went from there, from the cave, found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the twelfth pair. Elisha went up to him, threw his cloak around him. Verse 20. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? Verse 21, so Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Now, just in those few passages of Scripture, I think there are lessons that we need to learn and things that we need to do if God's going to unleash more in our lives. Number one. Work now while you wait for what's next. You want God to give you something more next? Work now. Work now while you wait for what's next. Do you notice where he finds Elisha? Plow in the field. Plow in the field. Now, number one, just this little nugget tells us that Elijah and Elisha probably had very different backgrounds. We don't know much about Elijah other than he was from Tishbe. That's it. That's all we hear. But Elisha, the fact that he has 12 yoke of oxen and a field to plow, said boy came from money. Like his family would have been very wealthy. So he could have stayed there on the family farm plowing and doing whatever he wanted to do for the rest of his life and been content, would have never lacked for anything. But I also kind of wonder if maybe there was a time that Elisha heard from the Lord that one day he would be a prophet, even before Elijah come around. And if that had happened, if it happened to us, it wouldn't be happening to him. Elisha, hey son, you need to go plow the field. Nope, I'm going to be a prophet, dad, not a plower. Prophets don't plow. We, we, we prophet, prophetize, prophesize. So you're going to need to get somebody else to do the plowing because my brother, he, he's the plower. I'm the prophet. See, so many of us, that's the, that's the mentality we would take. See, sometimes we allow purpose to create paralysis. I didn't say that first service, Rick. Isn't it crazy? It's like we feel a calling from God, and we think the next thing we do is just sit back and wait. Faithful people work while they wait. Faithful people work while they wait. See, between plow and profit, a lot of things were going to have to happen. But can you imagine, like most of us, if we'd have had that calling, we'd just be sitting back eating Doritos and drinking Kool-Aid thinking, you know, what's, you know, when Elijah finds Elisha, he's not sitting back thinking, I've been waiting for you, Elijah. It's about time. Two more days and my daddy was going to make me plow that field. It's funny, man. You want to do something really powerful for God? 
find significance in the things that are sweaty and smelly and not so small as, they, as you think they are. See, most of us never experience significance because we don't appreciate small. And if you want to see God unleash more in your life, work now while you wait for what's next. You may not be doing, you may not be able to do what you want to do right now, but there is something that you can do right now. While you're waiting for someday, do something today. Work. Work. You're not above it. Because here's the reality. I, I, I said this a few years ago. I'm a firm believer that the way we do anything is the way we do everything. And if God can trust you to plow a field, he can honor you enough to be a prophet. And some of you, you want to be a prophet, but you're not willing to plow the field. You want to do something significant, but you're squandering something small. And God's like, you think I'm going to give you that when you won't use this? And I think the game changer is when we understand that every single thing we do, we do for an audience of one. Everything that we do, you do, if, everything you do, you should do because you want to bring honor and glory to God. You don't do anything just because somebody asked you. You don't do anything just because it needs to be done. You do it because you are a child of God and you want to honor your heavenly father with every single thing that you do. And when you realize that like, all right, God, I'm going to honor you if you give me a chance to speak to a thousand people. I'm going to honor you if you give me a chance to park a car. I'm going to honor you if you get, give me a chance to influence thousands. I'm going to honor you if you give me a chance to change a diaper. I'm going to honor you in any area that you put me because everything you give me to do is for your good and glory. You know why? The Bible says so. Colossians chapter 3. Whatever you do. The fun stuff and the not so fun stuff. The easy stuff and the difficult stuff. Whatever you do. Work at it with all your heart. As working for the Lord. Not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. When you realize that everything I'm doing, I'm doing for God, nothing is small, nothing is insignificant. Everything that we're given is a chance to honor Him. And you're not above plowing the field when you have to. Second thing I see that Elisha was willing to do that allowed him to get to a place to unlock more is connect with people who have the knowledge you need. Connect with people who have the knowledge you need. Do you notice, did you see what happened in the story? Elisha didn't come there to mentor, Elijah did not come there to mentor Elisha. He came there to anoint him. God didn't say, hey, Elijah, Go anoint Elisha, take him under your wing, teach him the ropes. Because you, so do you see what happens? It says that after Elijah threw the cloak on Elisha, he bounced. It says Elisha had to run after Elijah. I think Elisha's thinking, my time is over. <laughs> like, I'm done. Like, I'm out. Like, you can have the cloak, bro. Like, I'm, I'm done. And Eli Elisha could have said... It's about time, man. I don't need you. I got the cloak of profitability. <laughs> like I'm good to go. But it says, his response is he runs after Elisha. 
Elisha runs after Elijah. You know why? Because he knew the significance of that cloak. He knew what he was going to step into. He knew he was going from plow to prophet, and in between those two things, there was a lot he was going to have to learn. You don't go from plow to prophet overnight. And he knew that Elisha knew that Elijah had the knowledge he needed, and he wasn't going to let him get away. Whatever, you're, whatever area you're wanting to grow in or you need to grow in, there is somebody out there that has the knowledge you need to help you grow up. Young believers, you want to grow in your faith? Find a mature believer. Say, I will take you to coffee. I will pay for the coffee. It's McDonald's. It's like 40 cents. Get over it. Like, I will, like, and here's what we say. Well, I'd love for somebody to mentor me if they just come talk to me. They ain't asked me. Take some initiatives. Find somebody. You don't, you, don't, you, don't see, you don't even see Elijah going, is he coming? Is he coming? Okay, I'll, I, I know he needs me. No. Like you want to grow into the person that God can unleash more in your life? Then you, you can't do that by yourself. There's somebody that has the knowledge you need, and you're going to have to have the courage and the initiative to go and start building a relationship with them and ask them questions and pick their brain and learn from them. I've been coming to this church for three months, and ain't nobody offered me nothing. (laughs) Own your own discipleship. You You know who grows? People that want to. There are people who are willing. I have had somebody tell me recently, and, and I get it. Like, well, I just wait for God to open doors. And I say, well, maybe he's waiting for you to grab the handle. I just want God to open a door. Well, maybe the door is unlocked by God, and it's ready. And he's saying, grab the handle, son. Pull on it. It's unlocked. It's open. Reach out and grab it. Like I, God, God ain't going to just rain stuff from heaven all the time in your lap. You've got to take initiative. Do you see what Elisha does? He, he gets the cloak. And I'm thinking the oxen are probably just running. He could have said, boy, I got these oxen. If I let them go, they'll mess up daddy's nice straight rows. I don't know nothing about farming. I'm just saying. I think that's right. Like I'll... Like, take some initiative. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Like he's saying, you know what? We, you've got, you want to grow. You've got to connect with the people that have the knowledge that you need, that you build those relationships of people that can encourage you and hold you accountable and teach you the things that you need to learn. Like God has built this thing that it grows most, most effectively happens in community. That's why we need the church, why we need each other. Let's keep going. Next thing. Erase any reason to reverse course. Erase any reason to reverse course. Go back to that conversation. Elisha comes to Elijah and says, basically, I'm going to go with you. But before I go with you, I need to go back and I need to kiss my mom and daddy goodbye and kind of get some things in order. And, And Elijah's response is, go back. Man, what have I done to you? 
Now, I think for a long time, we've seen Elijah's response to Elisha's desire to go back and tell every goodbye as Elijah giving criticism. I don't think it was criticism. I think it was concern. I think Elijah's like, dude, what? you don't know what you're getting yourself into. The best thing for you would be to just to go back to mom and daddy and your nice field and all your money and like not step into this world. Don't step into this life. I think Elijah had done it. Elijah had walked that path. Elijah had experienced all that. And I don't think it's Elijah criticizing Elisha for his desire to go back and tell every goodbye. I think he, Elijah is looking at all this young man is about to give up. That he's about to walk away from all this stuff and sacrifice so much. And Elijah's like, dude, maybe you should just go back. But Elijah was wrong if he thought that way because Elisha wasn't trying to delay obedience, which we can often do. Sometimes God throws a cloak on us. You know what we say? Let me pray about it for a little while. I'll pray about it, which means I'm going to delay until I can figure out a reason not to. (laughs) Sometimes we use prayer as a reason to stall. Come on, let's be honest. I'm not saying we don't need to pray, but there's some things, there's some things you don't need to pray about. God's already answered that question. Come on. Like, God's already answered that question in his word. And I'm like, somebody like I'm, uh, I'm praying about that. Like, let me show you the Bible. I can answer you right now. Now, I know that's not always the case. It's layered, but you get what I'm saying. Come on, you let me say amen? But, you know, see what Elijah does? He, doesn't, he goes back not to stall, but to make sure he erases any reason to ever look in reverse. He goes back, he kisses his mom and dad, and he takes those oxen and he slaughter them, slaughters them and he burns the plow. In other words, he goes back to Elijah saying, I got no plan B now. That it's just plan A. That I'm coming after you with everything I've got. And I've burned the plow and I've slaughtered the oxen because I know there's going to come a point in this journey where I want to go back. Because it gets too hard, it gets too difficult, it gets too challenging, it's going to cost me too much, and my natural desire is going to think about mom and daddy's house and that nice field. There's going to be days as a prophet that I long for the days of the plow. And I don't want any reason to retreat. So I'm just going to make sure I erase the option to go back because I want to go after him. I want to pursue this calling. I want to follow after God with everything I've got. So I'm going to erase any reason to ever reverse course. Like if you're going to get more out of God, if you're going to get more from God, if you're going to experience more, it's always forward, always forward, always forward. You can't look back. There's a reason why the windshield is so much bigger than the rearview mirror. Because you've got to look forward. Paul understood this when he wrote in Philippians 3, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I move forward. Two more things and I'm done. Next one. If you want God to unleash more in your life, if you want to grow into the person trustworthy of more, you got to value purpose over position. You got to value purpose over position. Do you see how they leave that day in the field? Remember, 
Elijah throws the cloak on Elisha. And Elisha chases Elijah down. But you notice it doesn't say when they left and he followed. They, it doesn't say they, fought, they, they left the field together both as prophets. If you still got it open, go back and look at, at that passage in 1 Kings. It says that he left and became the servant of Elijah. He became the servant of Elijah. Elisha came to anoint, be anointed as a prophet, but he left that day as a servant. Because you got to be willing to serve before you lead. You cannot lead until you're willing to serve. And he knew that for him to step into his purpose, that it was much more about his purpose than position. Elijah wasn't, uh, he didn't, when Elisha and Elijah were walking around, Elisha didn't care if Elijah introduced him as his fellow prophet. He probably introduced him as his servant. No, 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 prophet. There's something else you need to know. From the time that Elisha threw the cloak on him to the time that Elijah left the earth and Elisha stepped into the fullness of his calling, we believe was almost 10 years. So from the day he was anointed prophet to the day he really stepped into the fullness of that calling was 10 years. We don't want to wait two days. We are so impatient You've heard me say we live in an escalator culture. We want to go from one level to the next with as little effort on our part as possible. Elisha knew that he didn't go from, pro from plow to prophet overnight, and he spent 10 years serving Elijah, learning and growing and developing and leaning into the things that he needed to know. Matthew 20, 26. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great, among you must be your servant. Because contributing to the purposes of God are more important than you celebrating a position you've been given. You hear that? If you're one that longs for a title, you'll never be very useful in the kingdom of God. Did you catch that? If you long for a title, you'll never be really useful in the kingdom of God. Last thing and I'm done. If you want a double portion, if you want to see more. I've said this to our church for the last 10 years. Never settle for less when you know God has more. Never settle for less when you know God has more. Some of you, you're missing out on more because you've just settled for where you are. Somewhere along the way, you allowed yourself to get stuck. You allowed yourself to stop dreaming and praying and believing there could be more. You've got so stuck in your position of life because of the circumstances and that kind of stuff, you've given up on there ever being more. You've given up on ever finding the right person. You've given up on ever being uh, uh, thriving in your marriage. You've given up on be being further than you are right now in your career. Like you've given up on, on where you are spiritually. You've given up that that sin is just going to always be a part of your life. You've, you've just given up. And God's saying, why have you given up? Remember when Elijah was found in the cave by God, and God asked him that question, Elijah, what are you doing here? I think there are people in the room where you are in life, God's looking at you and like, what are you doing here? 
What are you doing still in this place in life? What are you doing in this? What are you doing here? Because I had so much more for you. Why are you still here? Why are you still in this place? Because I had more and I wanted more and I want to give you more. But somewhere along the way, you just settled for less when I still had more. And he's trying to wake people up through this message today to say, stop settling and expect God for more. Believe him for more. Have the courage of Elisha to look at God and say, God, I want more. And then have the courage to make the changes in you that will make you worthy of receiving it from your heavenly father Amen. bow your heads close your eyes with me I want you to hear this one verse Ephesians chapter 3 now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. There is more. And I want you to want more. I want you to want more of God. I want you to want a deeper relationship with him. I want you to want more of his presence and power unleashed in your life. Because when you do that, then you'll start doing what Elijah did. See, Elijah didn't get more just because he asked. God doesn't give more to those who simply ask. He gives more to those he trusts. And for him to trust you with more, you've got to grow up. You've got to be willing to do the things that Elijah did so that he could unleash more in your life. What do you need to do? What do you need to change? What do you need to do that, what are, you, what are you not doing that Elisha was willing to do so that you can see God work more in your life? You want more? Get ready to receive more. Start getting ready. Get ready spiritually. Get ready. Work where you are now. Surrender. Get ready right now because God is standing with the resources of heaven in his hands looking down on you saying yeah you're waiting so am I get ready I have more get ready I want to trust you with this get ready I want to bless you with this get ready I want this to be on your I want to expand this thing in your life like get ready like I want this for you you know why because I can do he's looking at you and saying I can do more than you can even think up more than you can dream I can do more and I want to do more but you got to get ready would you quietly and reverently just stand to your feet as we prepare to worship this morning I'm going to pray for us and as we sing this song would you allow God to use it to solidify this in your heart Father speak now prepare us grow us up show us the things we need to change areas we need to do things different speak to us now in Jesus name Amen Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.